on BYU Sports Nation, the road to BYU football recovery. How can the Cougars restore your faith this weekend? Would all of BYU's problems be resolved with a dominant performance in Tampa? Plus, is BYU basketball a Sweet 16 sleeper? One prominent hoops analyst thinks they just might be. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation. We are live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, October 8th, wherever, however, you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Power 5 equivalent co-host, Jason Shepard. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. So is Jerem P5, and I'm P5 equivalent, and I have a scheduling. I have a scheduling agreement with BYU Sports Nation. Is that where we're going with this? I'm not ready to call Jerem a Power Five co-host just oh. because of his stance on what Power oh. Five actually means. Already starting off the show with he a rift between Spencer himself. and Jerem. Interesting. <laughs> he did this to himself. <laughs> True. It's his own argument. It's his own <laughs> argument. You can't. You can't have the argument and then you know not fall in line with it when it you know. Until Jerem and me, and you for that matter, are paid Power 5 money, we can't be called Power 5 hosts, right? we, we should probably explain why we're bringing this up. Beyond the fact that I'm obsessed with BYU being a Power 5, uh-huh. in a Power 5 conference. Yes, that, that is enough. But then there's this. Charlie Strong, the head coach at South Florida, called BYU a really good Power 5 team yesterday. And that Thanks, is Charlie. a quote. And my first reaction was, how does a coach think that BYU is, quote-unquote, a Power 5 team when they're not in a Power 5 conference? But I guess he's going off of what the Power 5 conferences consider BYU when it's the equivalent of a Power 5 in scheduling. I am not opposed because I think this gives us an insight into what's possible. BYU should just show up at P5 Media Days at all of these conferences. The more you show up, people are like, what are they doing here? But (laughs) – down a couple years down the road, it's like, did, did we did we not know something? Maybe they are in our conference. <laughs> then maybe all of a sudden BYU's in because you just play it off like that. Maybe that's how we get in. My biggest issue with Charlie Strong and what he said is that he didn't use the Power Six moniker because he's a member of the American Athletic Conference and yeah. they go with the P6 sticker. It's on every helmet. They're the Power <laughs> Sixth Conference. So he should have said. We think BYU is a really good power six opponent. He probably got a phone call from the commissioner. Mike Oresco? Yes. Yeah. My, uh, Mike Oresco on line one, Charlie. Here's today's show lineup. We have Brett McMurphy on line one in about 15 minutes. His thoughts on if BYU is a power five team. He's been very outspoken about this very topic yes. on social media just within the last few weeks. He also lives in Tampa and has a beat on what BYU will face at USF. Don't forget our one-on-one with BYU redshirt freshman quarterback, Jaron Hall. How does he feel going into his first start? Now for today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Yes, BYU football will face the USF Bulls for the first time ever this Saturday in Tampa. BYU star defensive lineman Kyrus Tonga says the defense is focused on one thing and one thing only. We gotta, we gotta make sure we stop the run first, and uh, that's something that we uh, we're working on as a as a D line to continue to to be dominant up front. Is it that simple? Probably. 
Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio begins at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Countdown to kickoff begins at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. 12.30 Mountain live on BYU TV. Fred Warner led the San Francisco 49ers with six tackles and a pass deflection in last night's 31-3 win over the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. The Niners and Kyle Van Oy's Patriots are the only two undefeated teams left in the National Football League. Congratulations to Fred Warner and Kyle Van Noy. That's right. The New York Jets waved Bronson Kafusi on Friday, but they have re-signed the former Cougar standout to the practice squad as of yesterday afternoon. Kafusi has played in three games this season for the New York JETS Jets, Jets, Jets. The BYU women's volleyball team remains ranked number nine in the most recent AVCA coaches poll. Now, the Cougars overall are 14-2. They are 5-0 in the West Coast Conference. BYU hosts San Francisco on Thursday at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on the BYU TV app. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. The road to BYU football recovery stops in Tampa, Florida this weekend. But how can BYU football take things in the right direction? BYU senior running back Emmanuel Isupa has an idea. They just need to have like one game where we just blow the team out and just score a bunch of points, and um, then I feel like after that, you know, we'll probably get rolling. One game where BYU blows a team out and everything will get better. Jason, would blowing out USF solve all of BYU's current issues? Uh, It doesn't solve all of the issues, but it's certainly a great start. South Florida is a team that, in my opinion, again, just my opinion, BYU should beat handily. I understand right now they're only a a five-and-a-half-point favorite, but this is not a great team in in. South Florida. It's your Power 5 equivalent opinion. Yes, exactly. Thank you. I I think this week goes beyond just getting the win because I think BYU is going to get the win. Because I'm already chalking it up as a W, I I think it's all about three things. Cleaning up the defensive execution issues, shoring up the O-line play overall, but certainly the short yarded situations, and then getting Jaron Hall the experience of being the starting quarterback. Nobody is going to pat BYU on the back for beating South Florida. But you can come away feeling better about the team's overall execution with a great performance. So I think that's kind of where this thing is going. It's not going to solve all of your issues, but it's certainly a great start in one of those games where you kind of where you go out and you do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, winning is the obvious thing that helps solve so many problems and concerns. It just creates momentum and confidence. But not all wins are created equal, for sure. USF is a five-and-a-half-point underdog on their home field in a state that BYU has never won a football game. Five-and-a-half points. BYU, for me, to start to make me feel like things are back on track and that BYU is solving issues, they need to win this game by 10-plus. 10, 10 a, a double figure. You're not going 17-plus or 16-plus? No, no, I'm not putting that curse on BYU. No way. I'm a little stitious on that matter. But not okay. superstitious. Correct. BYU needs to win this game by double figures. I don't care if it's 24-14 or if it's 20-10 or if it's 30-20. Just win the game by double figures. What if it's 50-40? to Then I would have some concerns <laughs> about the defense, but still – my my emphasis would be on BYU's offense is capable of scoring 50, 50 points. points. The BYU offense averages 22 points a game. One of the worst scoring offenses in the entire country. 
I know that the schedule has a lot to do with that. Well, they played really tough competition. Yes. But we all thought BYU was going to put up 30-plus at Toledo for sure. Is there anybody out there that thought BYU wouldn't score 30 against Toledo, a team that gave up a lot of points to Colorado State for crying out loud? I think everybody's surprised that the offensive, at least from the points perspective, have, have not been higher. I, I think we all just, based off of what we, th- we saw in spring and early in fall, I, I really thought now, again, injuries can play a role in this. Obviously with Zach now, yep. but, but with Tyson Williams and, and, and certainly impact players like that. But I think everybody's a little surprised that the offense is only mustering a little over 20 points a game. I agree with Emmanuel Usupa on the idea that winning big or blowing a team out would make everybody feel better. Of course it would. But what qualifies as a blowout win? For me, a blowout is typically more than two scores. That's where the 17-plus comes in that Jeremy and I have talked about so often. I just want BYU to win by double figures. And the reason I say I wouldn't care if it were a 20-10 to 10 game, because I know some people are like, well, then the offense is still kind of anemic if they don't win by – if they only score 20 points. This is the first start for Jaron Hall. It's, this is a new era beginning for BYU football on the road in Florida. Again, it's, they've never won a game in the state – this is the week to do it against a very, very mediocre to bad USF team. Okay? So I'm not going to expect BYU to put up tons of points with a brand-new quarterback. If Zach Wilson were there, I would absolutely expect BYU to score 30-plus. But he's not the quarterback, and I'm going to give Jaron Hall some time. All right, well, let's focus a little bit on that and to topic number two. Through five games, still a lot of unanswered questions about this BYU football team. Heading into the week, Biggest questions would seem to center around new starting quarterback, Jaron Hall, of course, as well as the play of the defense. You heard from Kairos Tonga talking about the number one priority is stopping the run. So, Spencer, do you have more questions going into the USF game about the BYU defense or Jaron Hall? For me, it's Jaron Hall. I've seen exactly one drive of his in live game action. I know he played through the spring, and he did some good things in the spring game, and he has come in on individual plays, and he's thrown a pass to Zach Wilson, and he, he's done some nice things. He's taken runs as a Wildcat running back. I've seen one drive where he's the quarterback in live game action. So naturally, my question's center on the quarterback. I want to see what he can do when it matters, when BYU is desperate for a win as the starting quarterback. As questionable as the defense has been at times, I still think BYU should have beaten Toledo. They gave up 28 points, but the offense, I think, left more points on the field. So for me, the Toledo loss was more about lack of execution by the BYU offense when given opportunity. BYU was plus two in turnover yeah. margin. The defense and Chaz Ayu specifically made the play that was going to save the day. And it was going to let BYU win that game at Toledo. The defense did enough. I know that Washington had their heyday, but BYU's offense gave the ball away three times. So I still think that BYU's defense is formidable. Like they, they do some good things. I know they had their issues stopping the run at Toledo, but they did enough. They did enough to create turnovers For me, it's about Jaron Hall. What can he do when the spotlight, when the pressure, and everything's on him? BYU desperately needs a win. I can certainly understand why you would go that direction or why anybody would go that direction with Jaron making his first start. But for me, there's still more questions about the defense. Really? Yeah. And a lot of, there's so many variables playing into that as well. 
because of injuries, you, you still have who's going to play up in the air. You still don't, you still don't know. And, and that's something that throughout the, the first you know, couple weeks of the season, BYU has just dealt with so many injuries specifically on that side of the ball that game in and game out, you just don't know who's even going to be able to be healthy enough to play. And can they stop the run? I mean, that, it sounds like we're a broken record, but through five games, BYU has not been able to stop the run. And now they're facing teams that aren't great at it, starting this week with South Florida, that, that just has to be priority number one. Defensively, the coaches have talked about needing better execution. Because of injuries and inexperience, that is still a question mark to me. And even though Jaron hasn't started a game, I feel like I know what he's capable of. I put a lot of stock in what we saw in the spring, especially with him taking the, all of the first team reps. So th- this is not somebody that had a couple and was sharing 50. He had all of them in spring moving forward. I, I'm very high on what Jaron Hall can do. Plus, I don't think the offense is going to have to change very much. He certainly adds some wrinkles to it, but I don't think you're going to see wholesale changes to the offense. So I think it stays the same, which I also think benefits Jaron. For me, there's still questions on whether or not this defense can stop the run and who's going to play. I've seen five games of BYU's defense this year. So I know more about the defense than I do about Jaron Hall. And it, it comes down to that. On to topic three, Jason. I need some basketball in my life. And wouldn't you know, Andy Katz of NCAA.com, who picked BYU as a team to get back to the NCAA tournament yeah. when Yoli Childs was not suspended for nine games and when Nick Emery was still in the fold and everything they brought back. But then they kind of fell out of his projection once the whole child suspension news came and out. And it's understandable. I understand. Then he releases this little tidbit saying that BYU is a potential Sweet 16 team. They could be a sleeper in the NCAA tournament. I just want the Cougars to make the tournament. He's got them as a potential Sweet 16 team. What's your reaction to this news from Andy Katz? First and foremost, I love hearing it. That gets me excited that Andy Katz believes this team could be a Sweet 16 team. But I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't surprised by it. I'm trying to figure out where Andy's putting the most emphasis in terms of BYU getting to the NCAA tournament. Is he saying that despite not having Yoli for the first nine games, BYU is still going to be dominant in non-conference? And and I would assume that also means you're going to have success against St. Zaga and build your overall resume to where you can get an at-large bid? Or is he saying that this team gets hot in Vegas and ultimately wins the tournament? Because that goes to what Coach Pope was talking about last week at Media Day in Vegas where he had, we had the quote, we ran it on the show, where it's like, we may not have the best team we're going to have all season early on, but our, our goal is to be ready and be playing our best when it matters most. And we kind of interpreted that as meaning Vegas. So I, I would like to know where Andy's falling on that. Here's the other thing, and you brought this up. Andy's been really high on BYU. And Yoli Child the, the entire offseason. And I love hearing it, but he's, I think, much higher on BYU making the NCAA than most people are. Um, and I certainly hope he's right on this one, but I, I I was definitely a little surprised. Okay. Gavin Baxter out. Yes. For the entire season. Yoli Child suspended for nine games. We don't know how healthy Zach Selyus will be when the season starts. BYU has been absolutely crushed with injuries and suspensions. What are they going to have by the time that Yoli Childs gets back in the lineup? Can they put together enough in their resume to still be in the discussion of being an at-large NCAA tournament team? Like that, that is a huge question mark. 
BYU is going to have to win some big games yeah. in Hawaii without Yoli Childs and without Gavin Baxter and maybe without Zach Selyus. How? Jake Toulson and TJ Howes go out. They make a ton of threes. Okay, maybe, but it's unlikely. It's, it's... Here's the other aspect of this that, that we haven't even brought up. Certainly, Gonzaga is going to make the NCAA tournament, but Andy believes St. Mary's is also oh, in, is. This, in this as well. So he's saying that the WCC is going to get three teams in the NCAA tournament, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. 2012 is the last time the West Coast Conference had three teams in the NCAA tournament. That year you had Gonzaga as a seven seed, St. Mary's as a seven seed, and BYU as a 14 seed. In a play-in game. Yes, exactly. BYU got in through the Dayton loophole and won that crazy game against Iona (laughs) and then got blown out by Jay Crowder and Marquette. So, Jason, three teams, exactly one time since BYU has joined the West Coast Conference, three teams from the WCC have made the field of 68. Is this the year that it happens again? I, I was the first to put on the tournament train hat when Yoli Childs came back and everything was in line and health was restored. Yes, BYU was going to the NCAA tournament. It's going to take something special in February and March for BYU yeah. To get into the NCAA tournament. If if BYU can accomplish what Andy Katz thinks is possible for them this year, without Yoli the first nine games and possibly without Gavin Baxter the entire season, that is one heck of a coaching job by Mark Pope and his staff. Wow, where do we that place That would the be fantastic. Where do we place the expectations? Uh, By the way, fun story about Andy Katz. Tyson Hutchins does a lot of videos for BYU's Instagram and social media accounts. He's great, by the way. Outstanding. So all of those hype videos that you see, Tyson Hutchins is the one leading. He was in an Uber for an hour and 15 minutes with the Andy Katz the other day. So maybe we should talk to Tyson about why Andy has BYU in the Sweet 16. Where are you going in an Uber for an hour and a half? Well, when you're stuck in traffic, you're stuck in traffic, (laughs) That's true. Our question of the day, back to BYU football. What did the Cougars need to do against USF to make you feel like things are back on track? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in on Twitter from at DA4 underscore life. Offensive dominance. Put points on the board. Touchdowns, not field goals. I'm excited to see what Jaron Hall can do. Hashtag BYUSN. From Instagram, DB underscore Nelson 22. Show major gains in execution on all sides of the ball. Okay, so if BYU has offensive dominance, they put up a bunch of touchdowns and not field goals and have major gains in execution, then you would think they would score at least 30-plus in this game, right? I would think so, yes. BYU capable of scoring 40 in Tampa with a brand-new quarterback. Is that that too much to ask? I'm, I'm... My fingers are crossed. We see it coming up on Saturday. Coming up, which Hall is the best athlete? Jerem asked Jaron to break down the Hall family athletic depth chart. And Brett McMurphy of Stadium Sports on whether or not BYU is a Power 5 team and what the vibe is on USF football. He's from Tampa. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
Tune in for a two-hour BYU Sports Nation special tomorrow. You can join us for BYU Basketball Media Day, where we will be joined by head coach Mark Pope, Yoli Childs, TJ Haas, and more as we get a first look at this year's Cougar Hoop Squad. It begins at noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play alongside Jason Shepard, Power 5 equivalent co-host. Thank you. I am merely Spencer Linton. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is Stadium College Football Insider Brett McMurphy, friend of the program. Brett, nice to have you back on. How are you? Good to talk to you guys again. How are you doing? Fantastic. Uh, first and foremost, what kind of a weather welcome can BYU fans expect in Tampa, Florida this weekend? You know, it's actually rained here the past couple of days. It probably hadn't rained in the last month. Um, I don't think we're going to have any rain on Saturday, uh, but typical uh, temperatures in the 80s. Uh, it's not going to be really too hot, obviously, uh, for anybody traveling from your your neck of the woods. It will be a little bit warmer, but I don't think it's going to be miserably hot or anything. So it should be a nice, uh, nice, nice day for football, I think. Yeah, Brett, if you want to try your hand at meteorology, you know, I think you may have a future in this. I think anybody can have a future with weather.com, but yeah, thanks. <laughs> Brett, what's your impression of BYU football through the first five games of the season? Uh, you know, some surprises, some good, some bad. You know, obviously, um, you know, being the only school in the country to go with, uh, with open with four Power Five opponents, uh, you know, the nice, uh, the nice upset with, against Tennessee – and, uh, you know, USC and then, uh, you know, the tough loss against Washington. And then, obviously, I think the Toledo loss was just a product of, you know, just being worn out against uh, that, that tough schedule and then having, having to travel. So, um, you know, I've, you know, at times very impressed. At times, uh, you know, BYU didn't look as good. But, again, it's the only school in the country that's faced that type of schedule I think you guys made out pretty much what I thought you'd be. Um, probably, probably a little bit better. I take that back because I, I probably looking before the season. I thought if you guys would have come out of that one and three, um, and then probably two and three, I just didn't expect the loss to Toledo, and I thought probably one of the losses to either Tennessee or, or to USC. South Florida head coach Charlie Strong referenced BYU yesterday, and he, he said, quote, that he referenced them as a, quote, really good Power 5 team in the college football landscape. <laughs> Is BYU still considered a P5 equivalent, in your opinion? Well, it depends on your definition of Power 5. Because somebody was on Twitter the other day asked me about this, or saying, well, you referenced BYU as a Power 5 opponent five years ago at ESPN when I was reporting that some of the Power 5 conferences were counting BYU as a Power 5 opponent. And it's basically the conferences can designate whatever they want to meet the requirements for playing Power 5 opponents. Um, but bottom line is, if you're not in one of the Power 5 conferences or Notre Dame, you are not a Power 5 program. I mean, that's the, re- that's the reality of it. Uh, don't shoot the messenger. Um, so I know when when these coaches talk about other teams, they're obviously going to build them up and say, well, they're a Power 5 program and all that. You know, look, BYU is not a Power 5 program. Boise State's not a Power 5 program. Um, that's just the reality of it. And it's it's unfortunate, but, but that's how it is. And, um, 
Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't win on the field against the Power Five programs, which BYU and you know, I think Mountain West is having a great year against Power Five opposition. Um, but as far as the definition of a Power Five program, you don't have an automatic bid to the college football playoff or the New Year's Six Bowls. So you don't have a meteorites deal worth north of twenty-five or thirty million a year. So that is what a Power Five program is, and BYU and. 64 other schools are not one of those. Yeah, I'm with you. Last time I checked the bank account, that $30 million from a TV contract was not coming in. Although BYU fans will hold on to anything they can, they can get their grasp on when it comes to, well, we're a Power 5 equivalent. We want the respect. We want the respect of the nation. So, Brett, <laughs> as, as a Power 5 equivalent in scheduling, according to some conferences, is BYU's 2-3 and three record right now more a result of the difficult schedule, in your opinion, or is it more injuries to Tyson Williams and Zach Wilson and the lack of execution? I think it's more the schedule. Again, you, you look at this and, you know, obviously Vegas is not everything, but based on point spreads, you know, BYU should have been 1-4 and four at this point. They should have lost all four games against the Power 5 opponents, and they didn't. So I think I think that's very impressive. Again, I, you know, that if you if BYU would have had the open date before the Toledo game, I think that Toledo game would have ended up differently. I, I thought BYU would have won that game. But just, again, coming off the body blows of four consecutive Power 5 opponents, and that's why a lot of, you know, when you get these people that are, are, that are touting these non-Power programs, that, you know, a UCF or somebody like that, and people that are skeptical are like, well, look, if you play in a Power 5 league and you play a Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington, you play these type of opponents four or five consecutive weeks, then the injuries start to pile up, then you start having issues, and obviously BYU has learned firsthand. So, no, I don't necessarily um, think it's really that much lack of execution. I just think it's a, a... a culmination of, of playing these bigger teams that are deeper and stronger, and it just it finally took a toll. So it'll be fascinating to see how, how the Cougs fare uh, the second half of the season when they don't have to face that type of opposition, with the exception of maybe uh, Boise State. Brett, we referenced at the beginning of the interview that you live in Tampa. What, what's the vibe on Charlie Strong and South Florida in that area? Do, or, do people pay attention to them? I mean, what's what's the vibe down there with the program? Uh, this will be, for those that come to the game, so they, this will be the biggest stadium slash smallest crowd that you will probably have ever encountered. Oh, boy. Um, you know, basically – you know, it's frustrating, I think, for USF fans because Charlie Sturman was brought in. And initially, the first reaction was, great, we're bringing in this guy, and then he's going to win one year, and then he's going to move on. And I would tell those fans, look, you've got two alternatives. One is he comes in, he wins right away, and he moves on, and the program's in a better spot. Or two, he doesn't win enough right away, and he isn't able to, to go back to the Power Five and then you've got him for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden you're like, we haven't won enough. What's going on? We need a coaching change. I think they're getting close to that latter example. And the, big, the biggest reason is in their last 11 games against FBS opponents, they are 2-9. and nine. Both of those wins were against UConn. 
Mm. So it hasn't gone well for USF and for Charlie Strong. Um, and at the same time, UCF, you know, their big rival is you know, well aware of what they've done the past couple of years. Um, so it's, it's going to be uh, – we'll have to see how USF does uh, the rest of the year. Obviously, you know, BYU and Navy back-to-back weeks. And then the, the last – in the month of November, they take on the, the top teams from – from the American and Cincinnati, Memphis, and UCF in consecutive weeks. So uh, USF uh, could struggle to get to six wins and get to a bowl game. Brett McMurphy, Stadium Sports College Football Insider with us on BYU Sports Nation. You have Navy and BYU playing in the Hawaii Bowl for a third straight week in your bowl projections. If not Navy, what other team could potentially fill that spot to take on BYU in Hawaii? You want me to throw somebody in there next week? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Why not? Well, here's the deal. So, obviously, these, you know, the accuracy rate on these are, are not very high. Although the BYU one, I, don't tell anyone, that one's a lock, okay? Um, but, no, but as far as the opponents, look, I'm told Navy probably is not going to go back to the military. So, I try to mix it up and find out, okay, where would Navy would be a good spot for Navy. Send them all the way to Hawaii. And they always try to get somebody different in there. Maybe UCF hasn't been to Hawaii. Um, UCF obviously would be a good TV matchup. They look for good TV matchups in that Hawaii Bowl um, played around the Christmas holiday. So I, I could see UCF maybe as a possibility. I think the only schools that you're likely not going to see in that game will be Houston because they were in there a couple of years ago and then Cincinnati. Uh, was also a few years ago. So uh, maybe some mix of a Memphis or UCF could could be a possibility, and we could we could replay that uh, infamous uh, Miami Beach game. Uh, oh boy! Oh yeah! You know, if you if you want. <laughs> Brett, great stuff. We appreciate the time as always, and uh, your insights into the Cougars and college football. Thanks so much. Okay, enjoy the trip to Tampa. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, Brett. Brett McMurphy on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Rest in peace to Brett McMurphy's mentions today for BYU fans. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up, how did spring prepare Jaron Hall for his first started quarterback? And let's add some more on this Power 5 BYU (laughs) inclusion debate that honestly shouldn't really be a debate, but it is. This is BYU Sports Nation. Fourth-ranked BYU women's soccer hosting Pepperdine this Thursday. You can watch the Cougars look to remain unbeaten against the Waves on Southfield. The match begins at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Watch on the BYU TV app. Listen on 107.9 locally or the BYU Cougars app. We roll in BYU Sports Nation. We just spoke with Brett McMurphy, formerly of ESPN, now Stadium College Sports College Football Insider and he gave us some juice we'll get to that in just a minute but not before we revisit today's headlines BYU football will take on the USF Bolts for the first time ever this Saturday in Tampa Cougar pregame live on BYU radio begins at 1.30 p.m. Eastern 10.30 a.m. Mountain countdown to kick off at 2.30 p.m. Eastern 11.30 a.m. Pacific on BYU TV Fred Warner led the San Francisco 49ers with six tackles and a pass deflection in last night's 31-3 drubbing of the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football the Niners and Kyle Van Oy's Patriots are the only two undefeated teams left in the NFL mm-hmm. the New York J-E-T-S Jets 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 waved 
waived Bronson Kafusi on Friday, then re-signed the former Cougar to the practice squad yesterday afternoon. Kafusi has played in three games this season for the Jets, so I won't be surprised to see him get called back up from the practice squad and see some more in-game action. By the way, I love the fact that everywhere else in the world, it's Tom Brady's. New England Patriots, but here it's coming. BYU women's volleyball team remains ranked number nine in the most recent AVCA coaches poll. The Cougars are 14 and two overall, five and zero in the WCC. BYU back in action Thursday, hosting San Francisco on the BYU TV app at nine Eastern, six Pacific. Okay, I want to address a couple of things that we spoke with. Uh, Brett McMurphy about number one is the power five topic and it was and he's, he's not wrong no he's not wrong it was brought up because USF head coach Charlie Strong yes. said the following win over USC and they are a program that you know we we're good to have we're happy to have them on our schedule you know really good power five team and but they are a team that we know that very well coached and, and uh, they're going to come in here and be ready to play. They're a really good power five team. Now, I do need to give Charlie Strong the benefit of the doubt because he was coaching at Texas yes. in 2014 yes. when Taysom Hill and company ran roughshod on his team 41-7 to at Darrell K. Royal Memorial Stadium. So, yes, he looks at them as a power five equivalent. Yeah, and, and Brett's whole point was – there's the equivalent. He's like, but if you're going by the letter of the law, if you are not in a P5 conference, therefore you are not team. P5. That's, that was his point. And he's not wrong. If you're not in a P5, you're not P5. We get that. But that doesn't mean that BYU can't carry itself and act like a P5 program in the way that they run things, in the way they have their facilities. That doesn't change any of that. And that's certainly the stance that BYU has taken in terms of um, acting like a P5 program and how you how you run the athletic program. No question. Yes, BYU portrays itself yes. as a Power 5 program, which is why many of these conferences look at BYU and say, okay, look at the level of play. Exactly. We're going to count the Cougars as a Power 5 equivalent, which is why BYU can get these great games and a lot of them early in the season. Now, whether you want those games or not, that's another debate. But BYU is treated like a Power 5 scheduling equivalent because they portray themselves as such. However, the bank account (laughs) does not reflect that BYU is a Power 5 school. Until they have $25 million plus each year coming in from a TV contract, they are not a Power 5 team. You you, you could donate some. Well, I have. No, I mean the $25 million. Oh, yeah. No, Just I donate it. I, <laughs> should I get GoFundMe? Should I start a GoFundMe for BYU's Power 5 inclusion? Just Venmo it over right now. You Listen, got that? I have been a proponent of <laughs> BYU fundraising with their vast alumni base and, and lobbying to a Power 5 conference saying, we will raise money and pay you to include us, and we won't take anything from you for the first two or three years. Okay, so we'll, let's say there's a founder's fee of like $40 million. Yeah, you buy in. We will buy in with $40 million, and you don't have to give anything back to BYU for the first two years. Now, that would take a crazy effort, but I think if it meant BYU would eventually be in a Power 5 conference, then, that, then they would do it. So I don't, I, can I lobby for this? Can I officially lobby for this right now? Can BYU raise $40 million, buy their way into a Power 5 conference, and then say, hey, for the first two years, we're not going to take anything, and then we'll take, like, a portion 
only a portion in the third year, and it will be like this. Maybe a tenth? Scaled process to get them into full inclusion and full financial inclusion of a Power Five conference. I think that is honestly the best way to get in. I like it. Okay? I like it. And the second thing I want to bring up is, uh, how about a UCF-BYU-Hawaii Bowl? Do you want that matchup? Honestly, right now, I don't want that matchup. <laughs> I don't. It would be fun until UCF started to score a ton of points, and then it becomes a shootout, right? Look, but if, you, if you're wanting a good college bowl game that's not on New Year's fun. Day, that would certainly be a good matchup. It, yes. it, it would be fun. It seems fun, right? But if BYU doesn't win, it's not fun. And you get to go to Hawaii for that. <laughs> Our question of the day, what does BYU need to do against the other Florida school that is rivals with UCF, USF, to make you feel like things are back on track? Let's go to the Twitter machine. This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. From Twitter, at CougarA70. BYU needs to play with confidence like they did against Tennessee and USC. Create turnovers, limit mistakes. In other words, play up to their potential, not down to USF's. Hashtag still drinking the blue Kool-Aid. Coming up, an update to BYU women's soccer's rankings coming up in the Cougar Whip Round. Okay, and Jaron Hall, the BYU redshirt freshman quarterback, making his first start. Jerem Jordan goes one-on-one with the new guy. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Hoops Media Day is tomorrow right here on BYU TV. Tune in at noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific for a two-hour BYU Sports Nation to hear from Mark Pope and various players. Then, later in the afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, head coach Mark Pope will hold a press conference that will be available on the BYU TV app. I'm starting to get some trash from uh, people on Twitter and from some of my friends, honestly, about my expectation level for BYU basketball. Maybe, maybe we're undervaluing what this team can still do with the energy of a new coach. I, I don't know. Man, getting into the NCAA tournament and potentially going to the Sweet 16 as Andy Ketz what, mentioned. What an accomplishment that would be if that happens. Just getting into the tournament. Yes, no, agreed. Period. Agreed. Jaron Hall is the starting quarterback for BYU football, slated to be in Tampa, Florida this Saturday, and in so doing will make history at BYU, becoming the first African-American starting quarterback ever for BYU football. Jerem Jordan recently spoke with the redshirt freshman one-on-one. This is BYU football all-access on BYU Sports Nation. All right, Jaron, I was thinking we could start a podcast. Jaron and Jaron, does that sound all right? Hey, it flows. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's good. Okay, what's life like for you right now as you know, okay, I'm the starting quarterback. Life's a little different. Eh, honestly, it's the same as, you know, when I wasn't. You know, just preparation, going to school, going to football. You know, it's, it's all the same. Do you feel different at all? And you added, uh, I guess, positive pressure of something you've hoped for when you were younger, right, to be the starter? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's exciting and a little more urgency, you know, to get on the field and just get out there. So I'm just excited. What's the last, uh, I guess, the bye week like as you've sat on this knowing, okay, I get a little extra prep time for my first start? Yeah, just that, be able to spend more time on the film, uh, film room, you know, a little less time on the field, get a couple of days off, let our bodies get right. So it's been good just to get ahead on the film and, you know, get, uh, you get to work on South Florida. You got the last drive after the injury to Zach Wilson with his thumb. What did those plays mean to you in your preparation for this next game? Uh, just more experience, more experience in the game, and you know, hopefully you know, transition that over to the game this week. 
we've seen you as a redshirt freshman last year. You played up to four games, so you redshirted, and then a couple times this year. What what else do you feel like you have to show that you haven't been able to quite yet? Yeah, just my ability to throw the ball. You know, as a quarterback, I think uh, that's that's the most important thing right now is to be able to do that to operate the offense. And so I think I'll have a great opportunity to do that this week, obviously with with the start. So. Do you have to fight that stereotype of everyone assuming you're a runner, but you're like, no, I, I pass the ball? No, I never really, you know, get caught up in all that. I just know I have a job to do on the field. You know, what I do in, in these walls and on the field is all that matters. So I never really get you know, caught up in all that talk on the side. We've talked a lot about uh, the dual sport part. You join, I think, Gifford Nielsen and Ryan Hancock and some other guys who have played uh, two sports. How has baseball helped prepare you for this? You know, being able to play in baseball games this last year gave me just experience at a college level, just to feel the, the competition, to enjoy it. And so now, you know, a lot of it will be similar on the field this week. And so baseball has just been, you know, a, a, an extra help to football, football to baseball, vice versa. So it just, you know, all, all works out. Dad Kalen played running back here. Of course, KJ played running back here. Whose advice do you take the most? Uh, I take both of their advice. They, uh, they, they usually <laughs> offer the same stuff, you know, like the same person. Mm. But, uh, you know, they both are, have been a good help, just a positive support and encouragement. So are you more like your mom than your dad, or how would you assess that? Uh, I like to say I'm more like my mom. She's mm. a very, you know, kind-hearted, gentle woman. I love so much. But I think there's bits and pieces of me that they resemble my dad for sure. Mm. How are you different athletically than your brother, KJ? I'm a better athlete, you know, so that's, that's about all there is. I'm the best so yeah. in your family. So anyway. Yeah, you can run and throw. <clears throat> exactly. He, he doesn't have the throw part. He yeah, can run a little better, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, yeah. I can throw the ball, so yeah. I'll take that. Uh, certainly the challenge with South Florida will be an interesting one. A team that struggled a little bit, but coming off a win, um, how would you assess uh, the Bulls? They're, they're a great team. You know, we've got to be ready for them. We'll have a great game plan. Um, their defense is, you know, very athletic and, and experienced, and they'll be good. So we just got to be ready to go and just, you know, play our game. How have you prepared for this mentally? Because it could have come sooner. You, yeah. you never know. Um, but how have you prepared for this mentally knowing, okay, I'm the backup and I'm one play away? Yeah, just that mentality, one play away. You know, every, every rep, you know, when you're in, when you're off the field watching, you've got to take it as if you're in, as if you're the guy starting because you never know when your time's going to come. So just this, you know, the whole last year and a half, just preparing for this moment every single day and, and every play of practice has, has been you know, a, big, a big deal about that. I imagine when you imagined it that it wasn't necessarily in an NFL stadium in Florida, but that's an exciting opportunity to play in the home of the Bucks, right? Yeah, it just adds a little something to it, you know, a little uh, history in an NFL stadium, so that'll be fun and exciting, and, you know, I'm just excited to go play. I imagine uh, humidity and, and potentially cramping up could be an issue. Are you a pickle juice guy? Have you ever gone that route for the humidity? I No, I have not. I've never drinking the pickle juice, so I just stick with my good old water, and it's done me well. So. Okay. That's good, because I don't wish that upon anyone. I've tried it. It's not great. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> well, good luck this week against South Florida. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. It's like, good luck. You play a little bit better than you would have. And uh, have fun in Tampa. Thank you very much. That was huge. Jaron Hall, one-on-one with Jerem Jordan, to receive the BYU Sports Nation karma. This is the next great test oh, of the power you're right. of the BYU yes. Sports Nation karma. You were right. At USF, BYU desperate for a win. Redshirt freshman quarterback making his first career start at BYU. Yes, the karma will be tested in Tampa. Have you have you had pickle juice? I, I have I've not I've not drunk pickle juice. Now I love pickles, love them. I don't know if I would be able to drink pickle juice though, like oh, does, in in a large quantity. Does biting into a juicy pickle count as consuming pickle juice? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Because we've all done that. I'm talking about taking like a jar of pickle juice and drinking. I think because I like pickles so much, I could probably do it. I just don't know if I want to do it. I have something for you to try that I brought back from Toledo. Okay. Um, it's, they're called spicy hot pickles. Oh. They're so good. 
Wait, wait, wait. So wait. You've been home from Toledo for like over a week I'm now. I'm sorry, okay? No, 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 no. put on the back burner. No, no, but my, my point is, is this still going to be edible? Of course. They're in the refrigerator. Okay. They haven't been opened. Okay, well, I didn't know like you'd been sitting in the top in your desk no, drawer or something. they haven't been opened, and they're in the fridge cooling. Are they in our fridge up in our office? No, Dang no, it. Why I, didn't you bring those today? I will bring them. <laughs> that sounds you, amazing. I will bring you the spicy hots. That sounds amazing. Did, did you watch my Taste of Toledo story? Yes. No, you didn't, or else you would know. <laughs> so you need to watch it, and you can learn where I I'm got I'm on them. the air. What? You can learn where I got It's on demand, Jason. Oh, oh man. Anytime, anywhere. And I called you a Power 5 equivalent <laughs> co-host. <laughs> Good grief. Look, I'm on the air on radio, okay? Yeah, whatever. All right, coming up, <laughs> BYU remains undefeated but drops in the polls. What's going on there? The whip is coming up next. Plus, which regular will not play for USF against BYU? And how one Chick-fil-A employee is taking customer service to a whole new level. Uh, I'll take a lifesaver, please. This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guests, Brett McMurphy and Jaron Hall. The show on demand via podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. Whoops! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. BYU football taking on the USF Bulls this Saturday in Tampa. Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio, which prevents me from being able to watch your taste of specials. Uh, begins at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. The kickoff begins at 2.30 Eastern on BYU TV. Also, USF head coach Charlie Strong announced yesterday that receiver Johnny Ford will not play this week due to an unspecified team rules violation. Johnny leads the team in receptions with 13. Cougars in the NFL. Fred Warner led the San Francisco 49ers with six tackles and a pass deflection in last night's 31-3 blowout victory over the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football, locking up pads with OBJ, the Niners, and Kyle Van Noy's Patriots, the last two undefeated teams left in the National Football League. After New York waved Bronson Kafusi on Friday, the JETS Jets, Jets, Jets re-signed the former Cougar to the practice squad yesterday. Kafusi has played in three games so far this season for New York. Volleyball. BYU women's volleyball still at number nine in the latest ABCA coaches poll. The Cougars 14-2 overall, 5-0 in West Coast Conference play. They host San Francisco on Thursday, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on the BYU TV app. Soccer. BYU drops two spots in the latest coaches poll to sixth, coming off their 2-2 draw at Santa Clara. The Cougars hosting Pepperdine Thursday, 9 Eastern, on the BYU TV app and on BYU Radio. Basketball. March Madness host Andy Katz included the BYU men's basketball team on a list of potentials for the Sweet 16 this year. Not the NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16. Love it. Golf. The BYU men's golf team continues competition in the Jerry Pate Intercollegiate today. Cougars currently in first place at 22 under par. BYU women's golf begins competition in the Edine Elanfeld Invitational today. They are currently in 10th place at 6 over par as a team. A couple of corrections. First, they're called Sweet Hots, not Spicy Hots. Tony Paco's Sweet Hots Pickles. Either way, I don't have them, so you need okay. to bring those in. 
Secondly, the BYU women's soccer team at number six will play tomorrow, Wednesday night, against Pepperdine. Yes, Thursday yes, on correct. The BYU TV app and on BYU Radio. Today's rise and shoutouts. This is unbelievable, Jason. In Hall County, Georgia. Okay, everybody knows Chick fil A employees are really polite, right? It's part of the handbook. Yes. They, they always say, my pleasure when you say thank you. But at a flowery branch Chick fil A in Georgia, a teenager named Logan Simmons jumped through the drive through window on Wednesday when a car pulled up with a six-year-old choking inside. He whipped out a pocket knife. For some reason, the seatbelt had wrapped around the child's neck. He had a pocket knife on him, cut the seatbelt, saved the kid's life, and went back to work. Finished <laughs> <laughs> his shift. Unbelievable. Yes. Now, that is a hero, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, Thank you for saving my child's life. My pleasure. <laughs> That'll be eight fifty. Would, yeah, would you like some chicken nuggets as well? <laughs> wow, great story. Yeah, That's great. awesome. My rise and shout out to that young man. Yeah, uh, mine is not on that level of saving children, uh, but mine's going to go to Fred Warner, who's playing really good football mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm. He's the leading tackler for the only undefeated NFC team. How about that, Fred Warner? Oh, it's outstanding. That's awesome. It's so fun to watch him play, and you, he just looks. The part. Yes, he does. He? He yes, he does. Looks the part of a. You starter. pull for Fred Warner. Yeah, absolutely, dude's gone through a lot. Now he's succeeding at the highest level of football. Our question of the day: What has to happen for BYU football to make you feel like things are back on track? From Facebook, April Chessman Kirschit says. BYU needs to dominate on both sides of the ball. This is what BYU would do with inferior teams, and I need to see that again. 300 yards passing. Whoa, Jaron Hall. Three to four turnovers caused. Four to five sacks. Score at least 30 points. Pure domination. Whoa. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from Twitter, at TXKernel, says, I think most of us are desperate for a blowout win. Put the hammer down. No mercy. What qualifies as a blowout? I'm happy to just see a double-digit victory. Okay? Ten points. Uh, that's that would be that would be fine. I expect I expect a win. By what score? I don't know, but I definitely expect okay. a win. We ran out of time. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We we love you, Dennis. The conversation continues 24/7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. It's always so different when you bring up Dennis Pitta. Because I like Dennis Pitta. You two don't. I do too. For Jason, I am Spencer. Shout out to Jake Caressa.